A quick note before we get started. Did you know we have an email list? Go to hpleadershippodcast.com and enter your email into the form at the bottom left to sign up. Get our PDF on common obstacles and teamwork sent right to your inbox. Subscribers get first listens on new shows and exclusive content. Sign up today, hpleadershippodcast.com. On episode 32 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, Financial Leadership with Mike Goosen. A lot of guys I talk to, it's kind of funny, but they always wait till the end of the year to find out how we're doing. They ask the CPA for that. How do we do? Well, that's way too late. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Randy Lane. Today, we're talking with Mike Goosen founder of Columns for Success, a consulting company based in Fresno, California. Mike is also a 360 Solutions strategic partner. He's a CPA with an extensive financial background, so we asked him to talk about financial leadership. And now, here's Mike. I'm excited about today's podcast because we have Mike Goosen, a returning guest with us today from Fresno, California. Mike and I have known each other uh, for a couple of years now. I've done work together and recently just did a workshop together out in Yosemite, which was great. We had a number of businesses show up, had a two-day event. It was wonderful up in the mountains. Truly enjoyed it. So that was fun. Very and, jealous. Uh, yeah. Well, you should be because the, uh, the lodge we were at was beautiful and Mike uh, did a great job putting it together. And so it was it was wonderful. But on that trip, Mike's background is he's a CPA and has a lot of years running organizations and has a lot to do with, you know, every aspect of leadership. But we specifically on our drive up to the lodge, we're talking about how leaders are responsible for the financial wherewithal of the organization and how that so many times is overlooked uh, or at least put down the list on things that are important for leaders because we're focusing on vision and developing teams and hiring the right people and all those skill sets. This is something that is absolutely critical. So I asked Mike if he would uh, jump on and do a podcast with us on the areas of uh, financial leadership and, and how to integrate that into the daily practice of the business. So Mike, thank you. I appreciate you joining us today. And for those that haven't uh, listened to any previous podcast with you, why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about your background and how you you know, decided to get into the financial world and become a CPA and all that and how that transitioned into the leadership uh, consulting that you do today. Okay. Well, thanks, Chip. I'm, uh, Chip, I'm glad to be here today. It's it's kind of a, a topic I've been thinking about uh, lately. But to get a little bit of background, um, I was uh, headstrong into becoming a uh, chief financial officer of a company from the very early stages of my training back in college. I decided I wanted to do that. Um, not that the uh, CPA firm uh, atmosphere is bad. I just didn't particularly care for that. And I was looking to be involved in operations because helping corporations succeed financially is something that I'm passionate about and something that I've always been driven to do even before I knew how to do it. Hmm. Um, so when I got my degree in, and received my CPA license back in 1986, I immediately began searching for a job and got involved with some larger nonprofits and for-profit corporations and became a CFO and started doing that. The one thing that I discovered is uh, that a lot of companies didn't at that time take a lot of focus on how their financial information could help them be more successful. Hmm. Um, industries didn't have, you know, comparative data so that one company in that industry didn't know how well it was doing compared to another and that sort of thing. And so I started realizing that the more I could do in helping that become a reality for different companies, it would be more uh, valuable to them. And so once I kind of had a, a long stint working in the blood banking industry, industry, actually, I don't know if you're familiar with that at all, but donating blood and all that, there's a huge industry, obviously, to supply the blood needs of the country. Mm-hmm. And um, after I was doing that, I spent uh, my time, or I should say during that time with that industry, um, I did a lot of uh, training and development among other blood centers across the country on their finances and cost accounting and all kinds of different things. And so I kind of became, got a bit of a reputation as to how to help people use their financial information in their industry, be it nonprofit or for-profit 
that was successful and interesting to people. And I just kind of decided that I would go out on my own about 15 years ago. And I started doing small businesses, startups, all the way through active corporations on being a uh, CFO for hire, if you were. And uh, during that time, I was helping these companies analyze and uh, develop better financial systems. And as a result, they typically uh, were happy to see me because their financial returns were much greater than they were prior. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of how I got to this point. Being an entrepreneur myself, I would I would assume that people that go out and start their own business, small business that is, would possibly have less knowledge of the financial structure of what it takes to run a successful business compared to maybe a larger organization that has people on staff. Is that a true statement? Is that something that you've seen or is it actually not as common as I think it is? Well, I think the, the before we can answer that question completely, we need to have kind of a bit of a baseline. The typical entrepreneur that comes into the game uh, wanting to start a business because they're very technically savvy at something and they think, gosh, I can do this myself and make a better living. They typically don't have any understanding of, of the financial aspect of their business. And so they need to find that help from somebody. And the bottom line is the, 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 there's two reasons, or there's, no, there's multiple reasons, but the main reason that a small company has to have a financial system is to pay their taxes. I mean, the reality is you have to account for your activities in a proper way so that you can complete your tax returns every year as a businessman. Um, you can't just live off a checkbook like you do personally. And uh, so people don't realize that. And then they start going to a, a simple system like QuickBooks or something like that that will populate a very basic accounting chart of accounts for them or whatever. And then they go with that and they don't understand it and it just becomes a big mess. And then they finally call a CPA in and that CPA uh, has to unravel all, all this mis-entries and spend a lot of time. And so it's very expensive. So I try to encourage the entrepreneur who's just getting started to find a good financial consultant so they can set things up right the first time, spend a little of that uh, investment capital up front and get the ball rolling correctly. And then at that point, they can save a lot of headaches and so forth just for their basic required reporting each year. And once they get that established, then it's easier for them to move forward and uh, go from there. And then they have to learn how to read those things, those financial statements. How do they look and what, what do they mean? And so that's the next step. So how would you decipher the difference between someone who does bookkeeping and someone who's a CPA? Right. Well, bookkeeping is simply a historical activity. Bookkeepers, all they do in the basic sense is keep track of what you have done already. They don't anticipate the future. They're recording transactions, properly categorizing them and preparing them so that when you do want to look at your financial statements and balance sheet income statement, you have the numbers in there. So you have it's all historical from a bookkeeping perspective. The CPA or the financial management side of it, the CFO in a company or a controller, would take that information and help the business owner see how they are progressing down their path. Either if, they, if their financial goals are X, they how are they making it? Do they have a budget? Have they have they strategized on how to grow their business and do they have the finances to do so? All that information is the second half of the finance process, which is the actual, what I would refer to as the financial management piece. Mm -hmm. So there's historical record keeping and bookkeeping and financial management in uh, utilizing the bookkeeping information to run your business. If I'm an entrepreneur, business owner, and I'm struggling with cash flow, I can sell and I have money coming in, but I have peaks and valleys in what I do. If I was to work with you and understanding that the financial management piece is one component of being an effective leader of an organization, where would we typically start with you if you were to kind of look at the situation? Well, the starting point for someone who's uh, needing some financial management help is to assess First of all, just like we do with everything, assess where they are at currently. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would do is take a little historical look at their financial situation and, and see how they've been going. And if it's a cash flow issue, look at the issues that cause strains on cash flow, like um, paying bills way early instead of paying them only when they're due or not collecting from our customers um, or letting them you know, carry their balances too long, those kind of things. And just look at the history. 
and find out where they've been coming and assess their current financial strength. And there's different ways of doing that. And I don't know how deep you want to go into that, but there are different ways. There's there's analysis uh, we refer to as financial statement analysis, where you look at uh, uh, various ratios and calculations on working capital and that sort of thing. And then you assess where they're at, and then you find where the holes are, which there always are some leak, leaks happening just because of mismanagement or misunderstanding. And then you tighten up those particular issues and you look forward towards how you want to improve those indicators. And by doing so, you begin to grow and you start developing a program that will allow them to see these ratios and, and indicators on a more of a dashboard approach so that you can see it monthly as opposed to annually. A lot of guys I talk to, it's kind of funny. They always wait till the end of the year to find out how we're doing. They ask the CPA for that. <laughs> how do we do? Well, that's way too late. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're not getting monthlies, you're not managing your business financially very well. You know, when I look at the demographic of the people that listen to our podcast, it does have a wide spectrum, but I would say the majority are small business owners, um, people that are, you know, Main Street America that are in leadership positions that want to get better. And so if we were to talk to that audience and you were to say, okay, from a leadership perspective, from a CPA standpoint, if you were to have a dashboard of your business, what are the things that we need to pay attention to? What are the, you know, what, what would be the flags that come up that we really say, whoa, slow down. We need to seriously take a look at this. Right. I think that the first thing that many, yeah, any, any size business needs to do is they need to, just like a person does, plan and do that terrible thing called budgeting. <laughs> uh, or at least, or at least um, establish some goals and objectives for the various key things like um, when you're looking at the sales that you're you're trying to generate as a company what exactly is your monthly goal you have an annual goal of increase of let's say 10 percent so what does that translate into monthly things and then you boil that down into what does that translate into daily sales and and daily activities and that sort of thing and so if you have a a dashboard just on that you one of your key indicators in your dashboard would be a daily sales things. If, if for example, you're a retail outlet, you really should have a daily sales goal. And then with that, if you know that you meet that goal or between two or three days, your, your total, then you know that your month's going to be okay. You need to find out what key indicators happen during the earliest point so that you know that if those all occur at the end of the month, you're going to be okay on the sales side. The expense side is controlling the expenses in relationship to labor, which is the biggest piece most people have trouble with. And then there's the whole cash flow you talked about that a way, a better way of looking at that is referred to as a working capital management. And there are certain ratios that we call ratios, like um, you've heard things probably like a current ratio or a debt ratio or those kind of things or, or days outstanding on receivables. These are the kind of calculations that you would have your system display for you every day if you can get that minute, which would be great, so that the, the leader who's looking at his business he needs to decide. Each one's a little bit different, but he needs to figure out what four or five things he needs to know on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and, and set his system up to accomplish that for him as live as possible. Then he will know or she will know where they're going um, close to the actual time frame as possible so that they can make quicker decisions. You cannot wait for a quarter to go by before you make a financial decision. That's just too late. Mm. It needs to be monthly at minimum. And if you can do it sooner than that, depending on the industry. Um, some of the companies that I work with, um, you know, they bill their customers and they close out sales and services monthly. So the best they can do is monthly. So that's one. Whereas I said before, a retail outlet or a fast food place or, a, you know, a coffee shop or something like that. They need to see their. They need to know where they're at every day, mm. and and adjust and realize. On the other hand, you can't panic when you have a bad day or a bad week or a bad month. I keep telling my customers, you know, a, a one month does not a year make. Mm. You you have to realize that you know there's ups and downs in any business, and sometimes it happens. But if you're if you have a good plan and you have the again the key indicators and you can follow the activities as we've talked about in other examples of management then your key indicators will be solid. Mm -hmm. 
And there's a there's one ratio that we use. It's called the Altman Z score. I don't know if you've ever heard of something like that. No, Altman I haven't. Z score. It's a compilation of a whole bunch of different uh, ratios, and it creates a overall tr uh, viewpoint snapshot of your company. It's used on Wall Street and by financial analysts. And so if you are above a certain result, then your company is doing well. If you have multiple months of decline, then you get indicated that there's trouble on the horizon. So it's a great little calculation that you can find in any financial analysis book and look at or, or, or even Google it, and you'll see the calculations. It's about like, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's like six different calculations that are all compiled together all around assets and sales and net income and that sort of thing. Hmm. So it's a neat little uh, uh, thing that I use for most of my uh, financial clients so that they can see their progress over time. And then I calculate it on a monthly basis with spreadsheets and charts and so forth. It's very simple. And it gives the owner a confidence that they're going the right direction. Recently, I was asked by another client of mine to go meet with a friend of theirs who also owns a business. And I walked in and this guy was introducing me to people and he didn't know how to explain what I do. So he said, this is my uh, associate Chip. He is a consultant. And, you know, people are confused on what that means. So when I had the opportunity to sit down with them, the first question they asked me was, are you going to fire people? You're going to lay people off. And I said, well, <laughs> where did that assumption come from? And they said, well, when they bring in consultants, aren't consultants supposed to come in to make us more profitable? Well, yes, that's part of what we do. Well, that's great. And every TV show I've ever watched or, you know, movie or whatever, the consultants come in. Office space. Office space, the yes. Bobs. And they, the, the bobs are there. They're there <laughs> to fire people. They're there to interview and figure out how are we going to cut expenses quickly. And the quickest way to cut expense is people, right? But as a leader, we know that that can create short-term cash flow, but it can also create a long-term deficit to the organization. So Mike, from your perspective, how do, you know, how do you keep a business owner or a leader of an organization out of panic mode when sales drop, when profit drops and not throw the baby out with the bathwater? That's true. It's a good question because you're right that sometimes the reaction to financial troubles is to cut costs and cut costs quickly. And you're right, that does generate a short-term remedy, but it does have a tendency to um, impact future recovery. Mm -hmm. And so that happens typically when you have a company that has not strategically planned very well on what their goals and objectives are for their company, and they're just reacting to business cycles that might uh, be better weathered through if they could. So I think it all goes back to uh, the beginning stage of good planning overall, making sure that their strategic plan is sound, they know where they're going, and they don't allow a couple of, or maybe a whole bad quarter to impact them greatly. You see it happening all the time on the, the, the large corporations that we see in the news. They have a couple of bad quarters, and all of a sudden they're closing stores everywhere. Yeah, I was going to say, I see, see that. You know, you, you hear about the stock dropping on a big company and layoffs immediately start happening and people panic and, and it only affects the stock even more, you know, short term, it's the way to make sure that the, the shareholders are, you know, taken care of, but long term, does it ultimately hurt the organization? Right. It does. And, and clearly because the, the human capital is, is both a high, the greatest portion of your expenses, but it's also your most valuable future success opportunity. And so, Cutting costs there sometimes can bite you in the long run. But if we're talking, we're not really talking about SEC corporation or big corporation right now. If we talk about this, the you know the twenty employee, twenty five employee business, they take things extremely personal. Everything is their money, and they're you know they're very caring about their customer, their staff, and they don't want to lay people off. And so, usually the problem is not that they go to lay off quickly right away. They try to figure out a way to carry them longer, and sometimes that's not the best solution. So when I find a person in that condition, we look at both things. What expenses can we cut legitimately and not hurt us? And what changes can we make in our marketing and operational processes that we can become more efficient? And if we do those together, um, we have a greater potential outcome as opposed to just cut, 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 cut. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, people need to be aware of both. And unfortunately, however, I often get called in after all the panic has occurred and now we have to rebuild. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's typically the, so talk to your finance guy first. <laughs> that's my suggestion. Right. Yeah. Sometimes, trusted, yeah. Companies hire consultants when the, the blaze has already engulfed the entire building exactly. <laughs> instead of, Hey, there's a flicker. Maybe we should bring somebody in to help. It's like going exactly. to the doctor. You want You want the preventative medicine, not the emergency room. <laughs> that's right? right. Right. You want to get to, so it's kind of like that. Yeah. But when you, when you start feeling the pain, Talk to your trusted financial advisor, whoever that is, before you make these draconian changes and have them help you think it through. Um, It may seem like it's going to cost you money you don't have to spend, but it's going to save you money that you didn't have to lose down the line if you do it in advance, I think. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. like my arm hurts, so I better cut off my arm. Oh, wait, I can't grow that back. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, too, yeah. Okay. Painful situation. So on uh, going back to the... 20 person, 25 person business. And I'll use myself as an example. I use QuickBooks. Uh, I, I find that it's fairly effective for the size of my organization. And it does have a dashboard feature there under reports. It can pull up and show me a percentage of, of payroll versus marketing expense, so on and so forth. Is, is there any magic rule to a, a ratio or is it business by business? Well, ratios by definition are calculations that can be consistently applied to any type of business. But the thing that is more important, I think, often than just the ratio itself is that you are calculating your your dashboard consistently the same way over time because the historical reference points are what gives you the certainty of progress forward or backwards. Mm-hmm. But I mean, so sometimes I even tell people, don't don't lose sleep over the proper exact categorization of expenses or your assets and so forth. Just be consistent. If you consistently monitor if you're consistently recording things and tracking things the same way year to year month to month your comparative data is what's going to give you the insight to your success or failure don't get caught up in the type just be consistent if you're consistent in your accounting systems and how you report then you can compare and move forward the other thing is any change that you make to your system or your uh, strategy make sure you can figure you can consider how to calculate the impact before you make the change. What I mean is businesses will make changes for change's sake. They'll feel better about the change, but there's no financial proof that was a proper change. If you're going to make a strategic change or you're going to decide that you're going to make a marketing push for a particular product line, be sure you have anticipated goals and measurements of what you want to do before you start so that you know you're successful. Just because it feels like people are happier or feels like we're getting a little more sales. It's not necessarily true if you have nothing to benchmark against. So you need to, before you make any corporate change of or strategic plan change or major push towards a new product line, make sure you have anticipated financial results that you're looking for so that when you get there, you'll know. So then you know, well, we thought we should get X and we got Y, so maybe we did the wrong thing or maybe it wasn't the right choice for us. Let's just don't do that anymore. Hmm. Otherwise, we just people get these ideas and they'll think it's right and it'll keep going no matter what. You know, damn the torpedoes, we're going forward. Well, <laughs> that may not always be the best solution for the type A's out there, but they, we need to measure, always have a measurement plan for any business change. Interesting that we're on a podcast and I'm going to use the podcast as the example how emotion and logic constantly fight with each other because my co-host here, Randy, we talked about podcasting and how popular it is becoming and how many people are interested in podcasting, how uh, Randy's at least a year younger than me. And so (laughs) how his generation, for those that don't know, we're more than a year, uh, how his generation listens to podcasts uh, a, a lot more. They've taken to it more than my generation. And so I don't do anything kind of halfway. So I said, you know what? I think that's a good idea. Maybe we should get into podcasting. So, of course, we spend a bunch of money. We set up a studio. We do all this kind of thing. And it's been very beneficial in terms of the way I feel. I think it's doing really well in terms of the way I feel emotionally. I think it's a benefit, so on and so forth. But I have no financial way to measure, at least not yet, whether or not this gut feel approach to marketing has a financial impact 
to the business. The only financial impact I can absolutely without question say is what the cost of all of the setup was. So if I was <laughs> sure. to measure this right now, I would say this is a losing proposition because of upfront investment in equipment and time, but yet I don't have a tangible way to prove ROI on a marketing effort, which podcasting is a part of that. It's half marketing and half education for the followers that follow 360. Our clients listen to our podcast and they learn from it. And so it, it has a dual purpose. But so if I was to hire you, Mike, and you were my, you know, mm. helping me develop my business and, and help me on my leadership skills. And we talked about this quandary. How would you help me rationally think through whether to continue or not to continue doing this? <laughs> well, that's a real tough one. Why don't you <laughs> make it a fun, little bit Jim? easier? <laughs> <laughs> But I, I can understand what you're saying. The measurement of something like this is extremely complex, or not complex, but difficult to even quantify because we have no direct, like you said, there's no direct sales acquired to it. You're not like selling podcasts. They're free on the internet. Mm -hmm. They're brand building kind of activities. Um, you're getting uh, different things. So I would suppose you'd want to look at things like how many times people listen to them what's the volume of interest what's the i mean because the internet keeps track of all that for us right i mean the systems will tell us how many times yes. people listen and, and what's interesting you can keep track of how many times your podcast is downloaded you can't unless you had built your own app or something you can't keep track of if those people bought anything from you you can check if they go to your website afterwards you can check if they've downloaded it but you can't even check if they have actually played it on their own player if it's played offline hmm. So really, the only metric you have to show is downloads, and we are steadily increasing there. Thank you very much to all of our listeners. But yes, like you said, it, it doesn't directly correlate to, you can say, 100%, you know, the uptick in listeners is uptick in profit. And so the, the, the real question then comes in, this is what I struggle with as an entrepreneur, and I'm sure other people do that listen to this, is how much do we rely on numbers and stats and facts and, and how much do we allow gut feel and intuition and emotion drive the business? Because it's a, I mean, somewhat of a balancing act, I would think, because I know myself and lots of other people that are leaders of organizations. Sometimes we have to take risk, right? We, we got to jump out there and, and the numbers may look bad for a while, but we don't know what the future is going to anticipate. And, and so you kind of go back and forth. And so, you know, I'm sure you struggle with this, Mike, with your clients and the, and the, you know, how do we justify something that they emotionally want where financially it doesn't make sense, at least not on paper. Well, you're talking to a numbers guy to some extent. <laughs> I know. I, I always want numbers. Um, you know, if you're looking at a CFO, he's like, well, you know, our, our job is to say no. Um, but, uh, <laughs> So I think there, there, you're right. There is a balance. Not everything is quantifiably measurable against an accounting or a, or a financial system outcome. However, if you have significant historical, you know, good comparative systems, like I talked about before, if you very consistently, if your businesses, your sales are very consistent or your, your, or your services are very, the number of activities are very consistently happening over years, you know that this is, our pattern, and then we do something like this that's not exactly measurable, but we can notice a change in the pattern. You know, like if a, a business has been plugging along and they've never done a, any kind of advertising at all, and their growth is pretty steady, and their um, you know their client base is growing at two or three percent a year, and they're just been over the you know last six to ten months, they've been very consistent. Yet, so then they they start a marketing campaign, and they can't exactly measure the direct impact of that, but they can measure a change. And so now all of a sudden their growth in sales might be going up a little bit more than before. So we have some confidence that our activity has generated a difference. Hmm. Now, being able to, I would like to measure that as close as possible. So like in your case with this podcasting, um, although you can't necessarily measure per download to per change in your income, but the question is, does your overall volume of interest to see to 360 solutions increased or not in the last six months hmm. or is your overall general sense that you know just maybe it's his call-ins maybe it's 
people emailing saying, I heard it, I enjoyed it. Does that volume going up? So it's more measurable on exposure or brand building, I would suppose, which doesn't always translate into financial statements. Well, it's interesting too. Our demographic is typically a little bit older, people that are experienced, that want to start their own business. And we did a podcast with a very influential leadership content writer. He writes primarily on a uh, website called Medium, which is a place where you can kind of like aggregate your ideas. But he's he's still in college. He's actually a PhD candidate, but he's got over, I think now he's got close to 50,000 followers. Mm-hmm. So he has a, a broad range of people. We brought him on the bot- podcast to talk about leadership. I think it was one of our, one of my favorite episodes. He had a lot to say about leadership. And then we had a, a call after that. And there was like, how old? There's like a 15 year old kid was on the call asking about leadership consulting. We were like, how did you find us? And he said, well, I followed this guy and he was on your podcast and I found you and I had never thought about doing leadership consulting as a career and I'm still probably too young to consider it. But now I'm really excited about this industry and I didn't know it existed before. So it's interesting how your exposure can change. Yeah. But does correlation equal causation? In a situation like the podcast, we can view how many people are downloading. And if I look at it as a bar graph, it's steadily going up. So more people are listening all the time, which is really good. If it fell off a cliff dramatically, I could see that. And I would think this age we're living in, Mike, would be like the golden age for accountants because even the advertising, a lot of it can be quantified. Uh, Previously, you know, you put your ad in a newspaper and you put a, a billboard up and you hope that people see it. And if they tell you they saw it there, then you know that that's where your business came from. But this day and age, you can put um, advertising out on the internet. You can track when people go from that advertisement to your website, and you can track when people buy a product or send you their contact information. So you can quantify it, your marketing, in a way that you never were able to before. That's true, but there is a difference between marketing and brand building and sales. Right. Sales is easier to quantify. You know, how many sales did you make? What was the gross number? What's the net profit? Or marketing, it's, you know. But you can track where, if you say, okay, someone bought something, and then you can look back and say, where did they come from? And if you can tie that directly to your marketing, you can say that is um, a good investment for your business, right? Yeah, the problem is we do so many different forms of marketing, there's no way to know, did they buy from us because of, uh, email, a uh, podcast, a uh, video they watched, a right. friend told them, it's all of the above. And so, it may be multiple times, like they listen to a podcast and then two months later they decide they want to talk to us. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so well, let's Those get back on. challenges yeah. for sure. So Mike, tell us a little bit about your firm. I know it's four columns and what do those four columns stand for? Right, yeah, the, the, the columns for success brand that I have put together is accumulation of all of my experiences in, in, in operating large and small businesses. And what I have is there's the, the first area of my service or my column is, is leadership. How are we leading our company? Do we have a vision? Do we communicate that vision well? Do uh, Is me, am I the, the entrepreneur? Am I sharing am I developing the leaders in my group next piece is the strategic plan that goes along with that where where what's my vision for the company where am I going and how do we develop that and put that into practice the third piece is the financial piece where is the how are the financials uh, financial process being uh, done can it be improved is it telling me what I need to know and can I make it uh, help me see where I want to go better as part of my strategic plan as we were talking about earlier measuring Mm-hmm. our results. And the last piece, the fourth column, is that of who do we hire, when do we hire, what's the best person to hire, and how do we develop them so that they are also become leaders? Because leadership is at all levels. And so how do I develop my employees? So those four things together, working in concert, will generate greater success for any business, you know, depending on whatever industry. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. The principles are all the same. Yeah. So those are the four columns that I bring to the table and and express with my customers and clients and potential clients what what do they need and where which areas some of them have great financial structure so we don't spend any time there we have to find a way to balance all four of those together for the greatest chance of success in your history have you gone into a situation where we were mentioning earlier you know the house is already on fire and now they're in trouble and so they call you and say come in and help us and and you've been able to to right the ship with them 
uh, fairly quickly. And what, what does that look like? If uh, How do you help someone through that? Those kind of fire alarm calls will come because of the financial results are in big trouble. They're, they're leaking, they're losing money so fast, or they're running out of capital, and, they're, and they're, they have a bank breathing down their neck for, for information. And so my first foray is usually into the financial situations. How are they doing? Where are they at? And what's happening there? And so we assess the situation quickly as we can. We can we, you know, I spend hours and hours in some cases just going through and combing through the financial situation and, and determining what's happening. And then we start looking at the other pieces as far as how are they, what's their strategic plan if they don't have one, what do their operations look like specifically as far as um, what's working and what's not working. Maybe they are overstaffed. Maybe they are um, buying products too soon or, or they don't have the inventories not being managed well. All those, so all those, pro, all those indicators in the financial world. So I tend to focus finance first, goals and strategic plans second. And then once we get that all together, we say, okay, how are we going to lead this ship? So how do we communicate to our team the changes that we have to make? How do we communicate to our customers the things we're doing differently? How do we take what we need to do and, and, and then as the leader of the organization, begin to develop my new vision if it's new and begin to share that and start bringing people along to where we're going. But you've got to figure out where you're at first. You've got to assess the financial situation up front. And a lot of bankers or investors are going to want to see that correction and that information before they're willing to uh, loan or invest in your company to go forward. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to want to know, okay, if I give you money to write your ship now, well, how do I know it's going to still be there? Or you're going to be able to pay me back. Well, here's my plan. Here's my vision. Here's where I'm headed. Oh, okay. Now we have both a financial picture and a good direction. Let's go. Yeah. To extend your ship metaphor, it's like you've got some busted pipes in the bottom of your ship. You're taking on water. You may be heading in the right direction, but you will slowly sink to the point where you will no longer be above water. <laughs> yep. Exactly. And, and if you don't assess that and find that, no matter what, how great your strategy is or how wonderful your financing is, you're going to end up in the same spot, the bottom of the sea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's say, again, for our listeners that are out there, from a leadership standpoint, let's say you've, you know, you've been fairly successful. You've had a business, but you, you use the shoebox theory, which is you know, I put all my cash in a shoebox, I put all my receipts in a shoebox, and at the end of the month, I hope I have more cash in there than receipts that I bought. <laughs> and that's the way I run my business. And it's like a personal checkbook. How do you get someone to transition out of that mentality into setting up a budget, looking at l- treating it from a hobby to a real business in terms of the financial structure? Typically, I find when people are living their, or running their business that way, it's because they find the accounting process or that kind of that requirement. They don't like it. They avoid it at all costs. They don't want to sit down every week and run the numbers. They don't want to do that because it's not that they don't think it's important. They just don't like it. Their personality won't. You know, they just they they just hate it, and so they procrastinate and they put it off and. And so the first thing I try to convince them is you need to outsource that service. You need to find somebody to do that for you. And the reason I the reason is is not because I want them to spend money on paying someone to do it, but I want them to put that aside so that they don't get distracted. Their value is not running numbers. Their value is sales. Their value is the service. Their value is the skills that they have. They should let someone else do these mundane tasks for them that they adhor. That will make them a much happier camper, make them a much better businessman, and they'll have two things. They'll have more time to sell and grow their business, and they'll have more financial information to help them do that. So it's not that they don't – that it's, it's just not going to work. I can't – they're not going to – they may be successful despite themselves over time, but in the long run, that kind of shoebox approach is going to hurt them, and they just need to let that go and find – and there's so many ways now to do that. There's so many creative bookkeeping systems and online stuff and cloud-based things that CPA firms are working with. There's no reason not to do it. It's just a few hundred dollars a month, and you're getting there. Yeah. And you're now focusing on growing your business and not stressing about not having good numbers. About two years ago, I started my own company when I came to town. I didn't know anything about what I was doing, never started a company before. I uh-huh. talked to a friend who was a CPA. And I said, listen, I I'm literally have no money. I can't pay you. 
can you just give me some good advice to start out? And he gave me some advice. I want to kind of see what you would say to somebody in that situation. What, you know, I just, I don't want to be in trouble. I want to start my business. I don't want to have a big surprise come tax time. What would you tell that person? I would tell them that you need to be sure you have at least the minimum of tracking of your expenses and revenues that you get, if any, down initially. So I, I tell them, go out and buy QuickBooks, get it on, get on your PC, download it, pick one of the company structures and start. But please spend a little bit of money or time learning the very basics of accounting and journal and just, just, just basic entry and just do it on your checkbook. Make sure you put it in all the time. It's going to cost you a few hundred dollars to get that set up. But the money you're going to save on the back end, when it does come time at the end of the fiscal year, the the calendar year to pay your taxes and put things together, you'll have something. And as soon as you can afford it, have someone help you with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, you know, I, I, I have a real passion for, for entrepreneurial guys that are starting out and I will practically give them my time to help them start straight, start up fresh and correct because I just know the outcome of not setting up properly and starting in the right manner will just be so painful in the future. Yep. And so I really say, you know, let me help you. I'll, you know, I'll discount my rate. I'll do anything to help you. Just let me help you <laughs> get started. And it, it doesn't take me very, it takes me some, you know, 30 minutes to set a guy up properly would take them three days just right. because I know how. Yep. So just please let me help you. <laughs> and if you, were gonna, if you were going to work with them in the future, if you help them get started and then there's no fire to have to fight later, it's better than coming in a year later and they go, oh my gosh, everything's oh, on yeah. fire. Yep. Right. Yeah. For, yeah. It's so painful in the future when you don't set start right. So at all, I, I shouldn't say at all costs, but in whatever effort, make sure you're starting your business in the right way as in, in the accounting. It seems like it's such a waste of resources to do that maybe when you're dreaming big on other things, yet the outcome is so much greater if you have that good starting point. Right. And I, I did that for a long time. I worked with an incubator for a while, and I, I trained people on business planning and, and setting up their finances. And so um, I did a lot of that years ago, and it really helped a lot of these, these dreamers stay on the right foot out the gate. Just a simple, good accounting structure makes a huge difference. And it's not expensive, really. Book, book QuickBooks and that kind of stuff, is it's good, and it's inexpensive, so why wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like 10 bucks so, a month, right? I think that's like the... Yeah, if you do the online thing, yeah, it's, it's yeah. really inexpensive. Yeah, it's yeah. $31 a month. Oh, okay. That's, <laughs> I know for a fact because I use it. I use the cloud version. So, yeah. uh, Mike, if if I was to sit down with you right now and say, okay, I'm about to start a business and I have two options. I can bootstrap it or I can borrow some money, borrow money from other investors or from the bank or whatever it might be. What is your belief system on on debt? You know, the Dave Ramseys that are out there and others, you know, it's got people to a point where they, any debt is bad. Uh, mm-hmm. But yet I know a lot of business owners that that think differently. They think that leverage is a cornerstone to being an effective leader, uh, where others will say, you know, leverage is bad and, and you're in trouble. So just mm-hmm. opinion, what? What would you recommend? Or do you have an a, a opinion on that? Oh, I have all kinds of opinions. There's no doubt. <laughs> well, we all have. <laughs> um, uh, in, th- in that particular case, when, I, when you look at the statistical failure rate of small businesses being, you know, as you all know, in the first five years, you know, 70% of businesses don't make it past four years or whatever the case might be. And one of the major reasons for that is undercapitalization. Mm-hmm. If you're undercapitalized, no matter what kind of business you're going to start, you have to have some capital to uh, make it up to the point where you have that first sale. Everyone thinks the first sale is going to come a lot faster than it does. Everyone thinks that first big contract is going to be there within a lot sooner than they, than reality. Mm-hmm. And so undercapitalization is what uh, ends most dreams before anything else. And so... Um, I encourage them to look at it from the perspective of what is it that they want? How soon do they want it? And the reality is you can't bootstrap something. Maybe you can if just a personal, small, uh, no cap, no, no, uh, you're not selling something like inventory. If it's just simply yourself, 
I did that when I started my consulting as a, as a finance guy. I just started. Mm-hmm. I had one company that was willing to give me a, a, a go, and I just started, and I built it from there. So I did bootstrap that kind of thing. But if you have any kind of inventory or any kind of required location, you're going to have to finance that. Now, on the finance side, I am a, I'm a firm believer in, in that debt is something that needs to be carefully managed. And I've come down to my, my thinking is that there's two kinds of debt. There's consumer debt, which in my mind is the kind that we're really trying to avoid. That means you don't have to have the best car. You just have to have a car. You don't have to have the Armani suit. You just have a suit. So those kind of things, things that you buy that you may buy on credit that don't are not assets, mm-hmm. then you shouldn't use money to buy a non-asset. Now, if you're borrowing money to grow a business or borrowing money to buy a facility or you're borrowing money to get a return on that investment from sales growth or assets, then I'm all for leveraging that kind of stuff. But I am kind of anti buying consumer goods on credit. Sure. <laughs> so if the if the liability or the uh, if the loan is going to create a potential strong business asset or a piece of property like your home, then you should borrow money to do so. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be to have a nicer car than you really can afford, then I would discourage that. Yep. I agree with that completely. And the same thing with businesses. You know, when you start, you don't have to have the best computer system out there. Just have to have one that works. You don't have to have the most expensive accounting system. Oh, man. Just How one ironic. that works. <laughs> you don't have to have the best microphone and headset, just one that works. <laughs> I totally understand where you're coming from. And it's uh it's interesting because you, you get kind of all different perspectives, but the, the one common denominator is you have to have profit. No matter what you do, you know, whether you're leveraged or not leveraged, if you don't have profit, nothing else matters. And the more leveraged you are, the more profit is required to pay back that debt. So you're not going to be as profitable if you're leveraged. But sometimes you can't grow fast enough if you're not leveraged. So it is a it is a risk tolerance issue for some. And like, what if you had a really great idea for a company and you said, I don't want to be in debt for this. So you spend five years developing that product to get to a point where you can do it debt free by bootstrapping. Meanwhile, someone comes in with your same idea one year in. And leverages it, leverages and, it, and then you have, you know, you're going grow. against them as the competition, and you're like, oh, I should have done that yep. sooner. Yep. Right, right. It's true. Uh, when it comes to personal services like consulting work, or and I always call myself a CFO for hire, those kind of things, when you're just taking a skill into a, a professional service thing, yeah, you could probably grow as you go a little bit more. Um, but even that, if you have uh, if you really want to accelerate that growth and take advantage of the the marketplace, there still needs to be some money spent and some some potential debt incurred to get that brand really rolling. Yeah. And so um, it depends on the type of business. But to borrow money for the sake of building a business or a workable, returnable asset, I think that's a, a good decision if you can if you can merit it. So. Sure. You know, from your standpoint, is there a specific kind of business you like to work with, a specific kind of leader you like to work with? I like to work with those that know they need help. (laughs) (laughs) Self-enlightened people. I'm I'm getting tired of trying to convince people. A friend of mine said, you know, a lot of businesses, a lot of businesses he comes across, they don't even know they're on fire. They don't even know they're in trouble because they're so caught up in the weeds of day to day. They just, they're totally engaged in, or in, in, enveloped by the stresses and the tyranny of the urgent. And they don't realize that their future is glim because they can't see their future because they can't see past the weeds. Businesses that realize this, that are um, beginning to look up and see the horizon, those are the kind of people I want to meet and talk to. Yeah, People that listen to podcasts actually are the ones that are realizing, hey, there might be some more information out there for me as a business owner. I should start looking for those things. And and those are the kind of people we want to talk to. Absolutely. Um, Leaders are learners. Leaders right, yeah, are constantly are learning. And, they're th- and, they're, and they realize the value of that knowledge and they realize that there's a cost to that learning. And that's uh, the type of person. But from a specific business size, I think businesses that are exceeding a million dollars in revenue, they have a, do- a half a dozen to a dozen employees, they have a uh, an operations go-to person that they rely upon. 
then that owner has some time to to look on the horizon and be a little bit of a balcony leader and be a little bit of a, a visionary. And that's the kind of person that is really primed for for our kind of help. Yeah, I For agree. my kind of help. And that's where we want to focus our efforts to go. But then I do love those guys that come with this great idea and they have a business plan they want to start and they want some help and they have no idea. Those are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoy talking <laughs> to like them and puppies. I love yeah. – yeah, it's it's. – I'm excited about them. I, I, you know, I come home and tell my wife, look at this great idea. I wish I would have thought of that. Um, so I want to help those people desperately but uh, they, they really can't afford a lot of help but uh, they can benefit greatly from just a little help. Yeah. What's the what's the strategy in the future for for four columns and and Mike Goosen? For me, well, interestingly enough, I am continuing to focus on the 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 finance as my lead, and the employee value. So, uh, for me, I'm looking to continue looking at uh, how can I help out in a company finance wise, and also as we're starting to uh, more and more involved with the employee hiring and development piece. I, I want to develop the uh, you know our assessment platform and that quite, the thing that we have available to to our uh, customers and our clients on how to hire right the first time and then take those people to the next level of their skill set because I think that rings true. People can understand that in the business world, especially in my market, they understand that they need good finances and they need and they need good people and they're always asking how do we find these people? If I can help them in those two areas of the four columns. Um, at least initially, they'll be uh, more successful and also be looking to have, to engage me in more help as well for beyond that stuff. So, so I think, like I said, finance lead and hiring and hiring and development lead is where I'm headed with most of my thinking these days. Great. Well, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how how do we find you? Well, my website is easy to to go to, which is columnsforsuccess.com, and it's the number four, not the word, but the number, okay. so columns for success. Or if they'd like to call me, nowadays there's no cost for long distance anymore. You can call mm-hmm. me from anywhere, <laughs> and you can get me at uh, area code 559-681-6559, so that's pretty easy. Great. And so go to those two places and uh, all the information's there and you can give me a call or send me an email or whatever the case. I'd be happy to talk with you. Costs you nothing to give me a call and talk. I love to talk to people and uh, see what's going on. All right, Mike, thank you so much. I really appreciate you cutting out some time and doing this podcast with us today. And I'm sure we'll be talking again with you very soon. All right. Thank you guys and have a great day. Okay. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at hpl underscore podcast. And shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.